Welcome to season one of Negotiate Like a Boss. Interviews with experts exploring how to negotiate like a professional. These podcasts may occasionally include some quirky background sounds because we'll be recording at various locations. This is Penny Rosma. I'm the host. We hope you enjoy these casual negotiation conversations and find them informative. And in this podcast, our topic is packaging material. Mike Smith is our guest. Mike is a respected packaging industry veteran. Through his unique approach to sourcing and his CFO orientation, he saved tens of millions of dollars for his employers. And today he'll share some of that cost information knowledge. Now, you're going to love this podcast. And if you'd like to know more about Mike, you can contact him directly at Mike Smith CFO Savings at gmail.com. Mike Smith, CFO Savings, all one word, at gmail.com. And we are thrilled to have uh, Mike with us today. So hello, Mike. Welcome to our podcast and our topic on packaging material. Well, thank you, Penny. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, and you said it's uh, hot where you're at in Atlanta. Yes, it's 95 degrees and, and very muggy. So it's <laughs> summer started and it's not quite June yet. Uh, well, let's start our uh, questions today with telling us you know, kind of a, a little bit about yourself and your approach and how you came to your approach in packaging procurement. Sure, I'd love to. Well, Penny, I started my career in finance with a Fortune 500 food company, and I was pulled into some merger and acquisition projects. And later in my career as a CFO, I completed an M&A transaction that created significant value at a very low cost. And then during my 13 years with a leading global packaging manufacturer, one of my roles was also M&A integration and synergy achievement. On one single M&A project, we had an initial target of $52 million in savings, and we achieved $104 million in savings two years out of schedule. A significant portion of those savings came from procurement projects. We would bundle up the spend and get better pricing. We'd also look at creative approaches to value drivers and how we could leverage those value drivers to increase our savings. Wow. $104 million in savings two years ahead of schedule. You were a popular uh, contact, I'm sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you, you mentioned value drivers, and for our listeners that might not be familiar with the term, would you explain that a little bit? Yeah, this is where my CFO training experience has proven to be a differentiator with regards to my approach to procurement. I completed the Mergers and Acquisition Certificate Program at the Warren School at the University of Pennsylvania. And I also had negotiations training with Max Bowerman from the Harvard Business School and Stuart Diamond from Wharton, both very accomplished leaders regarding negotiations and strategy. One of the key learnings from this training that I had regarding acquisitions and negotiations was understanding the different value drivers, both the sell side and the buy side, and how important that was. And then framing your negotiation strategy around creating value for both organizations, you know, maximizing the size of the pie. So in simple terms, value drivers are different levers that influence value for either party. One might be volume. So for example, increased volume could create value for both sides, conceivably a better price for the buyer and then increase total gross profit for the seller. I like one of the key things that you talked about that is, is looking at the negotiation from both sides, taking two views of it, the full view of it. Um, we often talk about that um, you know, in negotiations for sure. Yeah. Uh, the next question I have is, you know, it's probably the next pressing question I can imagine uh, listeners thinking about is, how do you find value drivers that impact packaging? Can you unpackage that for us? 
Yeah, oh, yeah, I'll start. So this is where having a CFO perspective can can create significant value or help identify opportunities that a, a normal procurement professional might overlook or feel they can't influence because that's not how they were trained in procurement. When a CFO looks at packaging or an industry, he or she would start with review the market prior to pulling together an, any RFP. And so it's really about developing a long-term perspective on that market and then developing your strategy around that. So it's building a five-year plan and an approach and a strategy rather than the 90-day view, you know, associated with an RFP. I got that. All right. So how do market conditions impact the cost of packaging? That's a good question, Penny. Well, it will directly impact your negotiation strategy. So with regards to packaging, there are three main cost drivers, of course, the substrate, the specifications, and then the performance attributes. So the substrates for corrugating packaging is a liner medium you know, virgin or recycled, and for folding cartons, it's typically CRB, SBS, or CUK. Typically, the cost of the fiber substrate might be between 60 and 70% of the total cost of your package. So, and for plastic packaging, of course, the cost of the resin, the crude oil, influence the cost of your packaging. So this is where the market demand comes into play. So during a tight market, packaging companies will be coming at you with price increases. Your contract might even include language on automatically absorbing any substrate inflation. This is Procurement 101. All the procurement people understand this. Conversely, though, the, the package companies aren't as eager to reduce pricing when the demand is soft and pricing is retreating. At that point, the discussion will be around how much value they are creating for you through their R&D efforts and their customer support. All right. This is really hot information. So where, you know, with your CFO background and influence, where does this, um, this soft demand and price retreating, help us understand that portion of it and how you approached it. Well, again, it's having a CFO level understanding of the market and, and the cost value drivers in play. For instance, you need to understand if your supplier is integrated or not, meaning do they manufacture the substrate that is used to make your packaging? Right now, almost all of the paper, paper and pack, paperboard substrate markets are soft, SPS especially, as well as liner and medium. You can delink your substrate buy from your packaging buy in order to drive significant savings during periods of market soft, softness for the substrate. Okay, let's let's think about you. You use the term "delink your substrate." How do you do that? Explain what that might look like for uh, maybe an inexperienced new buyer. Well, okay, in, in very simple terms, if you're buying ten million dollars worth of corrugated boxes, you need to understand how many tons of fiber that is, and so you want to you want to produce or approach buying the fiber separately from buying the boxes. So that, so that you can do that, you know, if you have a significant amount of purchase volume, you can also accomplish this by converting from an integrated supplier to a non-integrated supplier or by dealing directly with the substrate manufacturers regarding your, your purchase volumes of the, of the fiber. Okay, and that and can impact your, the yeah. price that you'll pay then for the liner or the paperboard. But uh, further explain, how does that create value? Well, okay, I'm going to get into making the sausage now. So if, if you have any questions, interrupt and I'll try to try to repeat. Okay. So. You're integrated suppliers typically hold their substrate pricing firm and fixed at a price that's higher than, than the floor. So by floor, I mean that's the lowest price they will sell their substrate at in the open market. For instance, liner may be priced at $750 a ton right now, but liner manufacturers may be selling liner for export at only $400 a ton. That's a big difference. Those mm -hmm. same line, liner manufacturers won't sell their liner to you for less than $750 a ton in the box price, but they will sell liner to other converters for pricing north of the export market or the floor. Okay. So liner manufacturers with excess capacity that they're exporting at a low price will typically sell to independent converters at a price between the ceiling 
say the $750 a ton that we talked about and the floor, the $400 a ton, they're getting the export market. So how close to the cylinder or the floor depends on your type of business, the volume, the complexity, et cetera. But that's an opportunity to create long, you know, long, a large range of value creation. Mm. So if you're, if you're currently paying $750 a ton for the fiber used to make corrugated boxes, and you get that fiber for $550 a ton by dealing directly with the substrate manufacturer, that's almost 30% savings. And, and what I'm hearing out of all of this is it's, it's about understanding the market, having conversations, and looking at all of your options. Yes. Good information. Okay, so let's talk about beyond the substrate integration. Can you s- explain a little more about the cost drivers in packaging? Sure. So I mentioned earlier the three main cost drivers were the substrate, the specifications, and the performance. So I've talked a lot about the substrate. So the specifications or the design of the packaging and the amount of raw material used to create it have a significant impact on the cost. The corrugated market, for instance, integrated converters want to sell you as much fiber, Mm. as many fiber tons as they can in the boxes that they're supplying. So any box specifications that they are recommending, they may be heavier than what is actually needed. Most companies can take anywhere from 10 to 20% additional cost reduction out of their, their box prices by right-sizing their material specifications. For instance, moving from 33-pound to 26-pound fiber without impacting performance. So it's, again, about conversations the procurement side has with if they have packaging engineering or um, if their marketing or salespeople are requiring specific types of packaging to make sure they have those deep conversations on what's really necessary versus what's on the specification. It's good information. Yes, it's doing, it's doing your homework on the design instead of relying on the suppliers to do that for you. That's right. So you mentioned performance as a cost driver. Performance as a cost driver. Let's dive into that a little bit. What, what, what's meant by that? Okay, so if you think again about looking at value creation from both sides. So when I talk about performance as a cost driver, I'm talking about understanding how your specific packaging requirements perform while it's being manufactured and also while it's being utilized. Okay. So performance on the manufacturing side, it means are you placing long-run orders for thousands of units that provide for manufacturing efficiency and, and optimization, production optimization, or is your order pattern choppy and tend to be small runs? Those, those things will infu- influence the cost of the, the boxes to, to manufacture for the manufacturer. By the same tokens, with regards to cost drivers, does the packaging run well on your equipment? Meaning, or does it cause downtime or costly damage issues, customer customer claims? Those, again, are cost drivers that need to be understood and considered when evaluating your packaging spend and, and your suppliers and, of course, your specifications. So you're looking at lowest total cost. You're looking at that, that packaging material and where it goes through the whole operations and where it's causing extra cost to the organization. And, and then having those discussions with the appropriate people before you make those final decisions on packaging. It's great information. We had a conversation a little bit earlier about e-commerce. And, you know, how is e-commerce having an impact on corrugated packaging? Would you share some of your insight on that? Yeah, that's another good question. I think it's a very topical topic as well. Well, first of all, I think the 10%, there's 10% annual growth in e-commerce. Um, and it's pushed the producers of corrugated and packaging invest heavily in both fiber, additional fiber capacity and additional converting capacity. So the U.S. market capacity for fiber and fiber converting has grown substantially in the last you know, three years and expected to continue to grow for the next two or three years. And I think most of been this, this investment has been driven by the kind of frenzied growth in the e-commerce sector. 
Well, e-commerce shippers are getting smarter. They aren't using as much corrugated. They're using more mailers and they're using right size packaging to reduce the logistics cost and reducing dunnage and other waste that consumers don't like to deal with. So this means overall demand for corrugated may not grow at that same rate of the, of the growth that, you know, that they expect, you know, that, that's planned with all the capacity increases. And there's companies like, like PackSize who are based in Salt Lake City, Utah, that have developed equipment to manufacture right-size boxes on demand. So it's a different approach to corrugated. Mm -hmm. So they supply the equipment and you buy the fiber from them in bulk to make the needed corrugated boxes on site. This different model wipes out an entire layer of the supply supply chain and also provides a lot of other additional benefits. Some of the, you know, some of the things that I've seen are 30, 40% reduction in cube volume and also dimensional freight savings, 50% increase in the quantity of orders that you're able to put on a plane or a truckload. Uh-huh. potential 60% decrease in void or filler. All of these things benefit the environment. And they support sustainability initiatives, but they're also great for the bottom line because they're reducing waste and, and they provide significant savings. So if you, if, you're, if you utilize e-commerce to sell your products, you need to explore companies like PackSize regarding making your own boxes on site at significant savings. And, and it's, again, it's having the right size box for what you need. If you don't, even if you don't use e-commerce, you know, making boxes on site is a great solution. If you're a, a manufacturer that uses a lot of small run orders of corrugated boxes, typically a thousand a thousand boxes or less a run, you can get uh, obtain significant savings by using the box on demand model. Yeah, it's it's all about conversation and looking at a bigger picture. This is great information, Mike. Appreciate it. We had another conversation about other market influences like China. What can you tell us about them coming into the market? Well, that's another good question. So China and other foreign countries have raised their quality requirements on imported fiber. So U.S. recyclers that are creating or we're generating a lot of fiber, you know, through our recycling efforts, they're having a hard time meeting those standards. So the export demand right now for, for fiber, recycled fiber is soft, driving down the market value and the cost of, of recycled liner and paperboard. I think ultimately you'll have countries that need low-cost recycled fiber sources like China. They'll eventually set up their own fiber operations in the U.S., where recycled fiber is cheap and plentiful. So they will mm-hmm. make their own substrates here, and then I, I think long-term they're going to start exporting them back to their home country. That's a better value proposition for them. So over time, you'll see recycled fiber regain some of its lost market pricing as demand for this fiber increases. Got it, got it. Wow, what a great deal of information here, Mike. A lot of information in a short time. And, you know, again, I want to thank you, Mike, for the information and your insight today. And let's remind listeners, you know, if they want to reach out to you, it's okay to send you an email directly. You gave that email earlier, and I'll repeat it here, but you don't mind if someone um, reaches out to you directly, I suppose? No, I'm glad to help. I'd, I'd like to hear from any listeners with, you know, if any questions, I'm certainly glad to follow up with, you know, additional information. Or That's great. I'm going to repeat it again here slowly. Mike Smith, CFO Savings at gmail.com. And Mike Smith, CFO Savings is all one word with an S on the end of savings. My name is Penny Rosemont. Of course, we need your feedback. If this interview was valuable to you, send us a ring, reach out to Mike, uh, send some questions or conversations to him or reach out to me. And if you have future topics you'd be interested in, please let me know and we'll do an interview with that uh, great expert as we had today with Mike. You've been listening to Negotiate Like a Boss. For more information, check out the website at pennyrosema.com. That's P-E-N-N-Y-R-O-S-E-M-A.com. Enjoy the day.